Good morning. Did anybody experience the downpour that happened uh, earlier this morning? Was I the only one? Me and Shannon chose to walk out of our apartment uh, in the middle of a cloudburst. We thought, well, surely it won't end. We should get going to church. And so we left for church. By the time we got in the car, we were soaking wet and the sun was back out. So I'm still drying off just a little bit. <laughs> but like Dave said, we are, uh, uh, we are in our Becoming series. And, uh, and this is uh, Becoming Made in His Image to Be More Like Him. And I know that I want to be more like Jesus each and every day. I want to be reflecting uh, the love that he has poured into my heart. And uh, we've been learning in this series uh, that we are made in his image. Uh, that we are invited into a relationship with him. Each week we've explored more of God's word about how our lives were created to be in fellowship and in that relationship with God. Um, we've talked about surrendering like Jesus. Last week we talked about uh, being intentional like Jesus. Uh, some of you uh, made a declaration that I'm all in and that I want to surrender everything to him. And then last week, our commitment was to be intentional in knowing and connecting with him. And so I, I hope that throughout this last week that you uh, have had the opportunity to connect with him and uh, to get to know him. Because we're becoming something, right? We are becoming something. And so what or who are you becoming? Do we truly reflect the image of Jesus and have we surrendered our lives fully to him? Are we intentional in responding to his invitation to know him? What does that look like for you? What does it look like to know God? What does it look like to have an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe? And if you thought about that intimacy and that relationship, what comes to mind for you? I love last week that Pastor Dave took us back to Genesis chapter 1 because in that place, in that space is where God created and his perfect plan was made and Adam and Eve got to be in relationship with God where there was no shame, no insecurity, no lie. It was just real, authentic, intimate relationship and that's what God desires for each one of us. So what does it look like for you uh, to pursue Jesus and to be intentional? Because not only does God want to have an intimate relationship with you and allow you to know him, but he deeply wants you to allow him to know you. And now I understand that God knows me better than anybody else. But we were talking about this Thursday night. The reality is, is do I allow him to really know every part of me? Sure, I let him in and I let that intimacy be a part of my life, uh, the areas of loving kindness and generosity and those parts of my life, that I connect with well. But in the dark places, in those places that I try and hide from him, the places that I'm covered, uh, my shame, do I, allow, do I allow him into those? Because he wants to come in and he wants to bring healing and he wants to restore. He doesn't want to shame. He doesn't want to uh, put me down. He wants to come in and allow me to give those to him. And he wants to take those and build this relationship. True intimacy happens through trust. And do I trust him with every part of my life? Do you trust him with every part of your life? We read uh, the scripture last week, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And it says this, watch what God does and then you do it. 
Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. So keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Become like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Treat others like Jesus treated them. Speak truth with grace and and with love like Jesus. Forgive like Jesus. Serve like Jesus. Give like Jesus. Today, we're going to look at what it is to be wise like Jesus. What is godly wisdom and what does that mean? And how godly wisdom can guide us in our everyday lives and in everything that we do. So whether you're married or single, whether you're an adult or you're a student, no matter where you find yourself in life, you probably could say, yeah, I could use a little bit more wisdom, right? So what is wisdom? And I think our culture and maybe even our own natural intuition tells us that wisdom is having knowledge and experience that comes from trial and error right? You, you go out and you uh, uh, learn this truth. You've somewhat grasped uh, an understanding of something that you've gone through, and you've learned to persevere through certain challenges. And that's usually when you would say, wisdom kicks in. Wisdom is now a part of my life, right? You've learned something from that experience. And this kind of wisdom, a great thing about it is it's transferable. I can go out and learn something and understand something, and I can pass that wisdom along to you or to others. And we've all uh, gained knowledge, which in turn is supposed to make us wiser, right? The older we get, the more gray hair I have, right? I'm supposed to be wiser. Um, I'm supposed to be smarter. Um, sorry, Dave, it wasn't a, I, I didn't mean, <laughs> I looked right at him when I said that. <laughs> But there's, there's all these wisdom quotes that we can just go out and Google, right? And I got lost yesterday Googling wisdom quotes. Um, it, it was a, a big distraction. But there's some funny ones out there like this. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad, right? Um, how about this one? Before you criticize someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticize them, you're a mile away from them. And you've got their shoes, right? It's good. That's useful. That's useful. And then there's good for your life wisdom quotes like, you can't shine like a diamond if you're not willing to get cut like a diamond, right? That's, that's a good one. I've learned that even though I have pains, I don't have to be one, right? That's good for us older folks, right? And then there's godly wisdom, or spiritual wisdom. And there's a difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. Godly wisdom isn't so much obtained through trial and error or even experience. Godly wisdom only comes from having an intentional and a growing surrendered relationship to God. And these include some of the deeper wisdom sayings like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Your soul is nourished when you're kind. It's destroyed when you're cruel. Words kill and words give life. They're either a poison or a fruit you choose. Better the anger from a friend than a kiss from the enemy. And did you know that all of those quotes that I just gave, those four last quotes, those are all in the Bible. The Bible is filled with wisdom, but there's two specific books, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, that are filled 
with wisdom sayings just like these that can resonate with us. And Jesus lived out many of these. He constantly sought after wisdom in what he said, in what he did, because he had a mission to fulfill and he always wanted to keep the attention on his Father in heaven, on God. Some of the writers of the scriptures even took note about the wisdom that Jesus was acquiring through the years while he was growing up. Referring to Jesus, Luke writes this in Luke chapter 2, uh, two verse 40. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, just not too far away, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. And Matthew writes this in his gospel, Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. He, being Jesus, returned to Nazareth, his hometown. And when he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? People were noticing and paying attention to how wise Jesus was becoming. So what are some of the areas of being wise like Jesus that we can take from God's word and use right now? What are some examples of Jesus that we can follow after? Wisdom of Jesus that we can apply in our careers, in our families, with our children, in our friends, in our decisions about today, in our decisions about tomorrow. Can we benefit from the wisdom of Jesus around the areas of conflict and confrontation? How about anxiety and depression? How about addictions and codependency? Are these things that wisdom of Jesus can help us and guide us through? These and things like them. And a life fully surrendered to God is transformed. And that transformation leads us to becoming more like Jesus. And that godly wisdom begins to flow through the relationship that we have with them. And it can be poured out to those around us. So write this down uh, for point number one. It goes like this. Godly wisdom leads me to respond like Jesus. First Peter chapter 1 verse 22 and 23 says this. That he never sinned. Referring to Jesus. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Now, misunderstandings happen all the time, don't they? Uh, on a daily basis in my world, I don't know. My brain isn't quite fully engaged in the world around me. If you hang out with any of the young adults, they'll tell you, yeah, sometimes something doesn't quite click, right? Misunderstandings for me happen all the time. And sometimes those misunderstandings have no lasting impact. Right? We just move on. And others have the potential to destroy relationships and destroy lives and all that. Much like being falsely accused of something. Something of which you were innocent or maybe some, you accused someone else of something. I guess I would guess that many of us have experienced something like that. Being wrongly accused about something you supposedly said or did. And if you're anything like me, from time to time, my responses in those situations don't always, they don't always reflect Christ. I know I'm probably alone here, but follow with me um, and follow along with that line of thinking, right? That the truth is, is that godly wisdom can sometimes be so far away from my reaction. I had a situation in my life where a coworker had uh, come into my office and uh, they were a part of another team. 
and uh, we were all working on a project together and this project was in the final stages. We were ready for launch and uh, things were, you know, in my opinion, uh, as I was heading up this project, all the I's had been dotted, all the T's had been crossed, we're ready to go, we're in the final uh, countdown, here we go, and I get a knock on my door. And a team lead from another department comes into my office and he asks a question, and my response, what I interpreted that uh, um, question to be uh, was uh, not at all what he meant. We were both speaking English, but we were not communicating at all. And it gave me the impression that he and his team had not done any of their part and that we were going to just totally blow all of our objectives. The, co the project wasn't going to go off successful. Everything was ruined in an instant. It just went from zero to 100. And if you knew this coworker of mine, you would know uh, that this person is not afraid of confrontation. They are not afraid of conflict. They will tell you exactly what they think and, what, and how they feel. And so he met me at my level of frustration. And we went for, you know, it felt like an eternity, but it went for like three solid minutes where we're just toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I'm babbling off incoherent, angered, frustration, nonsense. He's yelling back at me the truth. And a light started to come out. Now, albeit it was connected to a dimmer switch, so it took a while for the light to fully come on. But when it did, I'm still angry, but I'm recognizing that I have totally misunderstood why he came to my office that day. And the reality was he was there to really help the project be the best that it could be. And he just simply had a question about how we were going to navigate one particular part of it, and he had a solution. But he wanted to allow me to come to the solution or something, I don't know, but I jumped to the conclusion it was all, all bad. He left my office uh, that day uh, with all the information he needed to uh, execute the project. Everything went off without a hitch as far as I can remember. I don't remember a lot of the details leading up to it other than I just remember this incident and I remember how I felt uh, at the end of it. But he left, everything went off, but the damage was done. I had broken his trust. I had been demeaning to him, uh, and my response was unacceptable. It was not godly wisdom leading me that afternoon. Have you ever faced a situation, anything like that in your life? When on your way to doing something, uh, something it's been challenged or you've been criticized or you're being squeezed or the, the stresses of life around you cause you to react to something in a way that is just not appropriate. When you're being stretched, when you're being confronted and how we respond and how do we respond in a way that honors God? How do we respond in a way that communicate it's not about me, it's about him. Even in projects from work and everything else, for the life that's surrendered to God, right? Everything I do, I want to give to him and allow him to work through them. I want to let go of all of those expectations and allow God to do what God wants to do. Because he's going to take care of me, his word promises that. During the life of Jesus, most of the religious leaders and the teachers that were around him in his day hated him. They were his worst critics. They didn't care what, what, that he was performing miracles. They didn't care that he was healing the sick and raising the dead and turning water into wine. That didn't matter at all to them. They just wanted Jesus out of the picture. They weren't hearing the message that he was saying. They were both reading out of the same book. They were both teaching the same words, but they were both coming to a very different conclusion. 
They wanted Jesus out of the picture. It was making them look bad. It was claiming to, he was claiming to be the Messiah. And he was also fighting and speaking out against everything that they stood for. He was interrupting their lifestyle. He was interrupting their false sense of control. Jesus had been arrested, had, had been harassed over and over and over by, uh, by them. But he always responded well. He responded with wisdom and truth to connect those who were for him and to connect the, to those who were opposed to him. Jesus' actions weren't to push the teachers and the Pharisees away. It was to pull them in. Try to help them understand what it was. Listen to how Jesus responds and maintains integrity while handling his critics. Being harassed over and over in the chapters leading up to what we're about to read, uh, Jesus is trying to bring order to a lot of questions that they've brought. They're trying to trip him up. And uh, this is one of those times where Jesus decides to speak up instead of being silent. And this is to teach a lesson. He's teaching this to the crowds. And in Matthew chapter 23... We're going to read verses 1 through 7. It says this, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. But do not follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands, and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace. And they love to be called rabbi. Jesus teaches this to the crowds right in front of his critics. He said things like uh, this, which uh, eventually is what gets him killed. He's also, uh, he's responded with the words I speak and the things that I do uh, are given to me from the Father who sent me. And when you look at me, you see the Father. But no matter how they reacted, Jesus always responded with wisdom. In fact, most of his responses were questions. And if you read through the Gospels, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll read that in most of his altercations, when his critics would would demand answers from him, he would respond by turning it around and asking questions that either they didn't know the answer to or they knew the answer, but they weren't weren't going to respond because it was going to make them look foolish. Going back to the story of me and my coworker, had I just paused... Sought God in just a brief moment and sought wisdom from Him, maybe I would not have responded that way. Maybe I would have been able to respond more like Jesus and asked a few clarifying questions. If I had sought the truth and not relied on my own perspective, I would have understood that this co worker was for me and that we were both working towards the same goal. And I needed godly wisdom that day to lead my response, but I relied on my own flawed wisdom. There's an inward transformation that's taking place when we choose to follow Jesus. And godly wisdom flows from that transformed life. And it leads us to respond like Jesus. So when things are being said about you, when you feel as if you're being attacked or confronted, and when you feel the need to lash out and defend yourself, it's here where we should be taking a step back, taking a deep breath, and asking God for wisdom. And then respond. Proverbs 15 
1 and 2 says this, a gentle response diffuses anger, but a sharp tongue kindles tempered fire. Knowledge flows like spring water from the wise. Fools are a leaky faucet, dripping nonsense. God may direct you to remain silent or not say a word at all. Or he might prompt you to respond with truth and boldness and grace and loving kindness like Jesus. In the situation I faced, the conflict could have been avoided had I pursued godly wisdom. How about when you come home from work and you're met at the door with your kids or your spouse and they're telling you all the challenges of their day? How will you respond? When your boss treats you unfairly, how will you respond? When God begins to stretch you and challenge you in areas that make you uncomfortable, how are you going to respond? When you've got to handle uh, uh, that conflict and difficult decisions with things or people in your life. When culture tries to drive your morals and values in directions that contradict the scripture and God. How will you respond? It's in these moments and others like them that we need to pursue that godly wisdom and respond well. Respond like Jesus. Colossians uh, chapter 4 verses 5 and 6 says this. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Write this down for number two. Godly wisdom leads me to see like Jesus. So in other words, godly wisdom allows us to see things the way Jesus sees them, to see them the way God sees them. He has a much greater vantage point than we do, right? Godly wisdom allows us to have a more spiritual perspective of things and people. Often in a moment or a situation when we need wisdom the most, that's usually when we have the tendency to make some of the worst decisions, Right? We're under pressure, we're responding and reacting with just what's in our hearts sometimes. And it's hard for us to, to see because our judgment is being clouded by our environment, our culture, or even the urgency of the matter. But in that moment, having godly wisdom could be the key to your decision-making process. My pastor uh, that, I, that I worked with when I was a, just a young youth pastor... Um, many, many, many years ago would say uh, anytime we were facing a conflict or dealing with people, and it was a small church, so it was just the two of us, he'd say, son, that's how he still addresses everybody, son, uh, uh, perception is not always reality. You know, and as a 21, 22-year-old young youth pastor, I'd sit there and just be like, oh, this guy doesn't get it. Man, come on. We just need to, you know, light a fire. Let's just, you know, push the button. Let's blow this thing up, and it'll be done with. It'll be over with. And as I got older, I started to realize what he meant by this. And I think it kind of goes along the lines of something like this, that sometimes your past experiences and even some of your present experiences cause you to form opinions that are only true within the context of your perspective. You have things that have happened in your life and you've formed opinions and they are your reality. But they're not necessarily the truth. That day with my coworker, my perspective was clouded. Clouded by my past experiences, clouded by my past hurts, insecurities, shame, unforgiveness that was uh, uh, being harbored in my heart. And they all made their way to the surface that day. The dark places that I was trying to hide from God that I didn't want anybody else to see, uh, they came to the surface. And that's what guided my response. And it clouded my ability to see the situation through godly wisdom. 
Godly wisdom leads us to respond like Jesus, and it leads us to see like him. It clears the cloudiness of our false perceptions. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 4, or Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 and 7, through 17. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus, uh, since I heard your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. See, we gain spiritual wisdom and insight from growing in our knowledge of God, not of our experiences, not from our trial and error, but from God and knowing him. As we pursue and obey and follow Jesus, we're going to grow in wisdom. You're going to have a clearer focus. You're going to have a, a truer perspective of what will be able to respond with godly wisdom, whether that's in relational situations like with I had with my coworker, or in other areas of your life, in areas where you're facing major decisions. Do I start that new business? Do I marry this person or that? Do I sell my home and move? Do I quit my job? Do I start a new career? All of those things, God wants to be a part of that process. We all find ourselves at times not knowing how to respond and what the right thing to do is. My question to you today is if you are at a fork in the road and you're facing a major decision or you, maybe you have a relational conflict like I did with my coworker, the question is this, have you talked to God about it? Have you stopped and prayed and invited God to be in that place? Jesus uh, prayed uh, about right before he was going to be crucified and he prayed, God, please take this from me. Don't, don't let me go through this. I, I, take this cup. But then he finishes his prayer with, but not, not my way. I don't want to have to go through this, but not my way, your way. I want to do what you would want me to do. Prayer doesn't always solve the problem in the way that we think that it should be solved, right? But prayer leads us to see like Jesus, to have a godly perspective, and to trust him. When we surrender to his way and we put our trust in him and we abandon those outcomes, we say, you know what, God, whatever the outcome comes, I place those in your hands and we trust him. Peace settles in our hearts. Write this down for number three. Godly wisdom leads me to peace. As my coworker left my office that day, um, uh, I did not have peace. Uh, I was a hot mess. Uh, I, I recognized mid-argument that I had blown it. And uh, I didn't know what to do. I, I was like, I, I don't even know how to begin to make this okay and make this right. So I picked up the phone and I called a friend who was unaware of anything that was going on, not attached to our uh, organization at all. And um, I knew that this person would guide me in godly wisdom. And uh, that's exactly what he did. I told him what happened and we, we talked about what the next steps should be and how I needed to respond. And a lot of times it has to do, uh, a lot of times when we come into these situations, it's about me, right? How do I feel better about myself? How do I step into this space so that I clear my conscience, right? And I'm so grateful for a godly friend to be able to go, no, this isn't about you. This is about, this is about what you did to this other person. And we walked through uh, uh, having a conversation with my, uh, with my coworker. And the thing that he said in our conversation that has stuck with me since that day, he was like, man, Tommy, this is awesome. And I went, no, 
No, it is not. It is not awesome at all. There's no part of this that I like. Uh, I uh, avoid conflict. I'm good at it. And, uh, and I try to avoid these situations. But what he pointed out, he was like, man, there's some, there's some sin in your heart, man. And it wasn't condemning. He was right. Is there some dark places in your heart that now God gets to allow you to deal with this? And you get the opportunity to allow him into this space to bring healing for you. And you get the opportunity to restore relationship in the right way. And I'm going to be praying for you. And so I called this coworker and I asked if we could meet, you know, and uh, um, we connected. We had a great conversation. I was able to share uh, what I had done wrong. I was able to uh, express uh, through empathy what I assumed and what I felt he might have been feeling in that moment and confirmed those things. And then I was able to apologize for what I had done and take ownership for it. And he was able to tell me what it was that I needed to ask forgiveness for. And we cleared the air and our relationship has become better. But we also, at the end of that conversation, talked about what we could do so that I didn't do that again. Not to him or to anybody else because I didn't want to have that attitude and that heart come out. And I'm so grateful that there was someone in my life that could pour into me and point out some of those dark areas so that godly wisdom could shine in a situation like that. We all had the opportunity to grow and God was given the glory for it all. In James chapter 3 verse 17 it says, but wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and fruit uh, and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. There's a moment in Jesus' life where he gets into a boat. Maybe you're familiar with this with some disciples. And while uh, they get on the boat, he goes down into the hull of the boat and he takes a nap. And while they're out on uh, the sea, the storm comes in and it's a bad storm. The disciples are fearing for their lives. They're trying to keep the boat from sinking. And where's Jesus? He's asleep in the boat at perfect peace the disciples perfect pandemonium right because the wisdom of Jesus knew something that they didn't they couldn't see what Jesus saw we're gonna have difficulties right there's going to be conflict it's that conflict that pulls out all of that stuff in us so that we can be transformed uh, and we can become more and more like him Jesus even tells us in John chapter 16, verse 33, I've told you all of this so that you'll know to have peace in me here on earth. You're going to have a lot of trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Godly wisdom leads me to peace. Why? Because I can be confident that godly wisdom is guiding my actions. It's guiding my thoughts. It's guiding my tongue. It's guiding my decision making and how I, I lead my family how I lead my finances, how I lead the, my coworker relationships and other relationships, that I'm including Jesus for how I plan for my future and how I plan today. James uh, tells us in James chapter 3, verse 13, if you are wise and understanding God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. I think we could all use a little bit more uh, peace in our lives, right? Maybe as you've been sitting here today, you recall a time that you didn't respond well in a particular situation. Maybe you're sitting here and going, ooh, yeah, I've had that experience. 
Maybe you had a wrong perspective or maybe someone else had a wrong perspective of what you were doing and that you've been uh, choosing, uh, you've not been choosing to pursue godly wisdom. You've responded by saying something or doing something in a way that's caused tension or division between you and someone else and now there's, there's a, a break in your relationship. It's awkward and you're not speaking to that person. You don't have peace in that moment, right? And those relationship conflicts, we often, they always come to mind in the most inconvenient opportunities, right? Like, why would that come to mind now? God's saying, I want you to deal with this. I want you to, I want you to walk in godly wisdom. I want you to have peace. But you can't have peace doing it your way. You can only have peace when you do it my way. The book of Proverbs is filled with dozens of amazing uh, wisdom sayings that you can begin to apply to your life uh, right now. And so this uh, afternoon, this week, this is our challenge to you. Uh, if that's you and you're in that place of like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't have that peace, what can I do? Well, have a conversation with God, even now, and ask him, where do you want me, what do you want me to do? What's my next step? How do I respond in godly wisdom in this situation? Ask him to cover you with his peace. Ask him to see like Jesus sees. And then throughout this week, grab your Bible, open up to the book of Proverbs. There's 31 of them in there. Would have been awesome if we were doing this on January 1st, right? You get one chapter a day, you get through it in one month. 31 days though. They're not long. And that's my challenge. If you don't have a rhythm of reading the Bible, take that with you today and go, okay, I'm gonna read a chapter a day. And if you forget one day, don't stop, pick it up and start where you left off and keep going. Don't stop. He will bring godly wisdom into your life as you get to know him and as you turn your life to him. Be wise like Jesus. Will you stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your presence in this place this morning and your presence in our lives. And God, I pray that uh, as your word has been spoken, God, that you would transform us, that we would grab a hold of your truth uh, and that we would uh, run with perseverance uh, toward the goal and toward the mark, toward you, putting you first and foremost in everything we do, walking in godly wisdom. Lord, as we uh, leave here, that we would not only take the steps to get to know you, but that we would be willing uh, and trusting to open up every part of our heart, allow you to come in and uh, see everything in there that you already know. But Lord, help, help me, God, to allow you in to bring that forgiveness and that healing in those places that I've tried to hide and store deep down in my heart. Bring freedom and peace, and we ask these things in your holy name. Amen. I hope you guys have a great week. Remember, if you're new here, please stop at the starting point. We've got a gift for you. We'd love to say hello.